Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Highway to the Danger Zone, it's episode number 95 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's most explosive Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me, as usual, is the sensational, intelligent Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I am good? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, Doug? (laughs) I'm doing great. Liam, do you know why I called you a sensational, intelligent Liam O'Donnell? No, and I'm scared to find out why. It's not a bad thing. Well, it is a bad thing in some ways. Uh, recently, a professional wrestler from Buffalo, New York, named uh, Dick Byer, the Destroyer, passed away, and his nickname in Japan was the Sensational Intelligent Destroyer. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> L- little tribute played to uh, to the Destroyer. Liam, I could have called you the Destroyer, Liam O'Donnell. I guess, I guess you would have liked that a bit more. I mean, I don't have strong opinions about what you choose to call me, as long as it's not swarthy again. Uh, I feel I've, pretty good. I've cut down on the swarthy, though. Oddly enough, we did still use the word in the most recent episode because yeah, it was yeah, in the plot yeah. description. Uh, Liam, we are recording this right after uh, uh, Daylight Savings. Uh, I guess it w- has ended. Is that how you say it? When you lose the hour? I don't know. I don't understand it. The whole thing is stupid. We should call it off. What I like, Liam, is when you're so exasperated that you clearly cover your own face with your hand and you can hear it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but that's actually what I was doing. (laughs) Liam uh, must hate uh, daily savings so much that he is literally holding his head in his hands. Liam, is it controversial, do you think, to say that we should abolish daylight savings time? What is it for? uh, Farmers! Oh. I get it that it's in some way for quote unquote farmers, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like that is an organizing principle of our society anymore. And it's just confusing oh, and not farmer. helpful. And I don't really think it does anything. And it makes me mad. Liam, uh, when I grew up in Newfoundland in the late 80s, uh, sure. we had something called double daylight savings time. This is a true thing. They were doing it as a test in the province where instead of it going one hour, it went two hours. Uh, first, we we gained two hours and then lost two hours. Why? Was that to help with your problem with mutants? Oh, <laughs> very good. No, uh, actually, you might not know this, Liam. Newfoundland, the province which I grew up in, it has its own time zone. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. So so in Eastern time, right now it's uh, – at the time we're recording this, it's 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. But it's 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern in Newfoundland right now. Wow. Isn't that strange? I didn't realize and y'all were that far off into the ocean. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's the furthest eastern point of North America, Liam. I guess that's why y'all sound like you're kind of Irish but even more drunk. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I wish I could counter that with something, but it's that's the most accurate way to describe <laughs> my people, uh, as it were, Liam. Liam? Yeah. Liam? Yeah. If you had that extra hour, what would you do with it? Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, shut up. Our guest oh, this God. week is the operator of renowned film blog Rupert Pupkin Speaks, as well as the co-host of the Pure Cinema and Just the Discs podcast. It's Brian Sauer. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for the invite to the show. 
Brian, we're very excited to have you. And I'm not just blowing smoke. Not only am I a huge fan of your podcast and your blog, but also as you of you as a person, Brian. Oh, that's very kind, Doug. I, I also am a fan of you as a person. You're a hilarious podcast host and quite the uh, Twitterer. You too, Liam. Both you guys. I, I'm a huge fan of both. Look, we know that you meant me and you just kind of had to <laughs> say, Liam. And that's okay. Look, we no, like honesty. No one likes me on Twitter. That's not I, a real thing. At Liam Rules. That's R U L Z on Twitter. Right, Liam? <laughs> Stop it. Stop sending people there for their horrible disappointment. Liam is. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, look, I'm just. I shouldn't say this on on air, Liam, but uh, sometimes your Twitter is uh, depressing, and not because you're a depressing person, I don't think that at all, but because you uh, are more open to talking about the things in the world that distress you, and it makes me feel like Liam isn't in a good headspace, but I know that you're in a good place, Liam. You have a wonderful wife and a beautiful daughter, and a beautiful wife and a wonderful daughter. Uh, I mean, those things are true, but yeah, I'm I'm unhappy a lot of the time. (laughs) And I think that that comes. That's like a. I think actually that's like an ADHD thing, and I, mm. I need to look into it. But I'll, I'll I'll give you a little insight, only because uh, my mom doesn't listen to this. So my mom what? follows me oh. on Twitter, and it's a real bummer because Twitter was my escape to be negative. So oh. I didn't have any backlash from her because you know she's concerned. She wants me to be happy, but she's gotten to the point where she just wants to not see it. So she has offered to bribe me. Not to share my negative thoughts on the internet. Like, legitimately, like, I will give you money to stop being negative on social media. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, I'll think about that. You know, so I think I'm I think I'm going to make a concerted effort to be more positive just so I can get free money. I this this does bring up a lot of questions that I can't really spend a lot of time on because I do want to talk to Brian. But it does beg two major questions. Liam. A, why does your mother not follow me on Twitter? She doesn't. She doesn't actually even follow me because she doesn't understand how Twitter works. She just goes to my page with her oh. account and reads my <laughs> tweets, but she doesn't actually follow me. She does like things every once in a while. I have seen her name liking usually things, funny things that I've said uh, in regards oh, yeah, to you. Yeah. Um, totally. And the second question, I guess you've already answered, is why doesn't she just mute you on Twitter? Which... <laughs> no, it's not that. It has nothing to do with her being anno- like that. And this is part of the thing. Like, if someone is just annoyed. My feeling is like, well, just don't follow me. Like, I don't, I don't really use Twitter to like build my brand. Sure. So if someone is like, I don't find your presence on Twitter like very fun. I'm like, cool, don't follow me. It's not a big deal. I it was more for a long time just a place to vent when I was annoyed about something or when I had an idea that mm-hmm. I wanted to work out and get feedback on. That's really all I used it for. But for her, it's more like she thinks that it's just like. Like I'm not gonna get a job or something because I I go on and I'm like, eh, today's a bummer. And then she's like, well, now you're not gonna get hired because you said today was a bummer. So it's more like a thing like that. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, if that's what you need, that's fine. But it just means like, you know, I, I really I, I, there's something about also. I think this is an internet thing, right? That like for some people, and I think there's research on this that for some some people, especially according to research men, Twitter is a place where they feel inclined to be more negative. I don't know what mm. that is. It's some weird psychological thing, but I, I, that's how I feel sometimes. It's like I'm on Twitter. I went on there even to say something good, like I really love this movie. And within a few minutes, I'm just like mad about something. You know what I mean? <laughs> especially like if it's related to politics. But even when it's something more personal, I'm inclined to share it. And I have to remember like there are a lot of people who follow me who don't actually know me and maybe they won't be as forgiving if I'm like 
talking about my poop or something. Now, now, now Liam, say what you just said uh, in 30 seconds instead of a seven-minute monologue. Um, <laughs> I, I do. My mom has a point, and I need to be more positive on Twitter because in real life, I'm a positive person. I'm not as negative in real life as I am on Twitter. That's the reality. You know, it's interesting. I do have a transition here because one of the things I love most about Brian, and there's many things, is that he's a very positive person, particularly yep. when it comes to the art form of cinema. I think of your blog as being a celebration of the diversity of cinema, and that that goes into your podcast as well. You're a person who loves the medium Brian, and I think that that uh, comes through in everything that you write and everything that you put out into the world. And the other thing is that it makes me want to ask you about your life history with actor Eric Roberts. This is a podcast about the actor <laughs> Eric Roberts. <laughs> yes, it is. So tell it. Tell me what what do you know about Eric Roberts, the actor? Um, I I'm certainly a fan of his work. Uh, oh, good. I oh yeah, definitely. Um. <laughs> I had no idea just how much work he had done until uh, embarking on the beginnings of you know research for this episode, and uh, holy smokes, there is a lot of movies. The man works real, real hard. I'm just um, glad that you picked such a, a sterling example of his filmography, <laughs> which which features a whole lot of Eric Roberts to talk about. <laughs> yes, well, you know, I I took a shot. I took a shot, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll 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 get into that. But I mean, you know, had I had my druthers, I would have. You know, I know all the the big titles had been, you know, picked over a long time ago. But I'm definitely a big fan of his work in you know Pope of Greenwich Village. I like him a lot in Runaway Train. Uh, there's a couple others that I'm blanking on at the moment, but that he has more prominent roles in. I mean, I think actually I really like him in The Ambulance. Mm -hmm, absolutely really good in that. So I mean, there's tons of movies of his that uh, I very much enjoyed, and I certainly enjoyed his performance in this film as well. You know, mm -hmm. as little as he was given to do, unfortunately. But well, um, you know, he's just a solid actor that that I really feel like comes with. Uh, you know, when he's into it, he 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 can bring a real emotional something to his performance that uh, I find stands out like i really i really respect him in the way that he approaches his craft when he's fully in it you know what absolutely I mean? yeah that's a great way of putting it now we i think of the eric roberts filmography as a rotting carcass that has been left out in the sun <laughs> Liam and I are vultures that are picking the carcass clean of its meat. And sometimes, you know what? Even at this late hour, we can get a big hunk of fat or an organ or something like that. We can just pull it out, and it's really good. Other times, it's just gristle, right, Liam? Uh, I hate to say it, but yeah, there's still there, there are many things we've covered with some excitement that turned out being really bad. Gristle, Liam. <laughs> really bad use the analogy that i've created no uh, i i don't want to because i don't hate gristle oh <laughs> i hate is such a strong word anyway liam i don't hate any of the movies that we watch on this uh program uh, with some exceptions uh yeah i was gonna say with occasional exceptions <laughs> liam's gonna talk about dark moon rising <laughs> brian you love eric roberts that's very clear from what you just said uh when it comes to what makes him a unique actor? You mentioned that, you know, sometimes his commitment to the role, because especially these days, he, he can sometimes be on a set probably for a couple of days as opposed to a month or a couple of months, that when it comes to an Eric Roberts performance, what are you looking for? What what defines him as an actor for you? That's a good question. Um, I think 
there's a vulnerability that he mm-hmm. brings that is I don't know there's something that really draws me in about that it's not necessarily a case of him creating a character that I feel sorry for but it's you can just feel the character and the person the actor like putting himself out there in a, in this way that is it's hard not to respond to it. I mean, I could see some people being maybe put off by the way he does it because it's so, like I said, vulnerable. But yeah, when, I don't know. He really, I, I was thinking of the, obviously the Star 80 performance mm-hmm. is, is pretty terrifying, um, but real. And, and, and he really makes it believable. I don't know. He's got, he, he, I think for me, he just puts himself out there just a little bit more uh, than some actors that I've seen, you know, that you feel that, He's really kind of giving of himself when he when he's uh, fully on board, like I said, with a character, and and not and even when he's not, I still feel it a little bit, even even then. So I don't know that vulnerability. I think is the thing. I you know now that you say that, I think you're actually you've really hit on something here because when I think of the great Eric Roberts performances for something like Star Eighty or Public Greenwich Village or Runaway Train, you know, kind of those bigger roles. One of the things they have in common is that he is a person who is not totally in control of his situation and that he can seem overwhelmed and and freaked out and someone who's trying to keep calm within this, you know, as things are going crazy around him. One of the things that we find uh, in some of his, his smaller roles in recent years is that they try to cast Eric Roberts as the coolest guy in the room. And he could do that role. I mean, he's done that in many, many films before. But I don't think he excels at it. I think it's those roles where he is just on the verge of losing it, where it it really he can really show that vulnerability, that he can show that um, that that he's not afraid to not look as strong as maybe the characters that he surrounds himself with. Liam, would you agree with that? Is the vulnerability do you think is a key to Eric Roberts' uh, uh, kind of uh, major performances? Yeah, I don't. I, I mean. I don't hate some of the roles where he's like the cool baddie guy. Like hate is such can, a strong word, Liam. <laughs> I think he can occasionally pull that off, but I think he's at his best when he's playing a character who is vulnerable. And that's sort of what he said when we talked to him was that he has experience with broken people. Mm. And so he feels confident showing you broken people in a way that you will feel sympathetic towards them. And not all the characters he portrays are immediately sympathetic, but he brings something to that role that makes them so, I think. Speaking of bringing something to roles, Liam, I think we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 95 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And you should, Liam, because Eric Roberts, he tweets about a lot of different unique things. Speaking of unique, we have an update on the Verizon situation, Liam. <laughs> oh, good. I was, I was really concerned. This has been a continuation for our last couple of episodes. Uh, Eric Roberts has been trying to reach out to Verizon, the uh, cellular telephone network on Twitter, and has not gotten a lot of, of uh, positive response. And he, him and his family, it seems like they're getting a little frustrated by the whole thing. Well, someone decided to tweet to him that Verizon responded to them within 24 hours because of the very Twitter conversation he was having. 
And uh, they said, and they, this person asked, did they ever get in touch with you at Eric Roberts? And he tweeted, never did get in touch with us. Very odd. We always loved them. Glad they got to you, honey. <laughs> Eric Roberts. <laughs> so uh, Verizon seems like an inconsistent experience with Verizon. <laughs> Liam, you might recall that we've put Verizon on blast because of their treatment of Eric Roberts in recent episodes of the show. Uh, looks like they're reaching out to Looks like they're intentionally... Uh, ignoring Eric Roberts at this point. How does that make you feel about your your cellular telephone network, Liam? I mean, I'm not surprised. They are the evil empire. Liam, sorry to interrupt you. Are you eating while <laughs> we're trying to record a podcast? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to throw to me about this particular issue. I thought this would go to Brian. You're, you are a Verizon uh, person. Uh, you're the expertise on the show, Liam. Of course I'm going to ask you. Are you upset at Verizon? Swallow and then tell us. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had it on mute. I didn't think this would be an issue. Um, yeah, no, Verizon, they're the worst. I mean, I knew they were the worst before this, though, as a customer. Um, they're, they don't, they're of a size where they don't need any customer, especially not Eric Roberts, so. Brian, unlike Liam, you're not a sourpuss, so you're probably unlikely to put uh, companies on blast on social media. But have you ever had to do that? Have you ever tried to reach out to a company or an organization and they just were not responding and you had to use the power of your social media to try to get some sort of response? Um, I rarely – like like you say, I try to be pretty positive on Twitter. That's just my personal approach. But I, I don't blame anybody that um, that uses it other ways at all. You know, I mean it's – it can be uh, quite cathartic to do that, you know, and get people talking about things, and maybe that helps you. So I understand why people do. It's just not my particular approach. Um, the only time I think I ever have recently was uh, before Movie Pass took a giant shit on itself. Oh. Um, when I was actually trying to get my card, you know, I, I waited, I think, three months. Something like that to get the actual physical card. I mean, I'm well past the point where I'm using them now anyway, but I think I actually sure. did tweet to them at some point, and uh, they were not particularly helpful. But, however, someone on Twitter did point me to like a somewhat secret uh, customer service number that they didn't publicize <laughs> that I was then able to use and get my card. So uh, Twitter did save the day for me in that case. But I rarely do that, you know, in terms of I just don't find it to be too effective. Sometimes I get pissed off enough to do it, though. I mean, it it is just another method, and it is strange because it does sometimes seem like they have different groups kind of manning the technical support or the support of the social media, so sometimes it can be a more direct way. So I can see why people go that route, uh, though obviously it did not work out for Eric Roberts in this case. Liam, Liam, do you resent the fact that I refer to you as a sourpuss? No, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> you don't mind that sourpuss? What do you think when people hear the word sourpuss? Do you think it's kind of a comical way to uh, describe like a misanthrope or you know kind of a, a person who just sees the world in a negative light? I mean, I think it's a kind of a childish nomenclature, but I'm kind of used to that from you. <laughs> Brian, one of the things that I love most about your blog is that it focuses on underseen and underloved movies. And that's, I think, uh, a topic that both Liam and I relate to uh, very much. I remember I even uh, submitted a list to it uh, low these many years ago. Why do you think people enjoy reading about, you know, kind of uh, not only other people's favorite movies, but ones that maybe are a little more obscure? Um, I, I don't know. I guess with the Internet and with social media, a lot of movies get a lot of attention. 
but by a lot of movies, I mean actually a very small percentage of movies, mostly mm-hmm. new movies, get a lot of the uh, press or just conversations had about them. And so I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that gets lost, and that could be applied to just about any medium you can think of, books, music, what have you. Um, and so I guess I've always felt like there's so much out there that it's it's a shame that so, so little of it gets talked about. And so I sort of made it my, I don't know, approach, I guess, on social media to be talking about the stuff that I feel like doesn't get talked about as much. Um, I, I think this stems from my, my years in the video store when sure. we used to <laughs> – I remember we had a certain – handful of titles that would get rented over and over and over and in my mind i was just like really again why not something else and in in the case of my video store it was things like seven uh the shawshank redemption i'm trying to remember there was like two or three others that just got rented so much that i was always kind of like boy wouldn't it be nice if somebody tried something else but i also understand the need to go to that movie that you love that you know won't let you down um but yeah then i've sort of that sprung my blog and then both podcasts are all about that stuff. So it's clearly something that I guess is really near and dear to me. There, uh, recently on Eric Roberts, Twitter feed, he's been tweeting a lot about the documentary leaving Neverland, the controversial documentary about Michael Jackson. I I feel like it's probably not the right place for us to discuss (coughs) that there. I do recommend that you do go over to Eric Roberts feed and read his thoughts on that. I've yet to see, the documentary, so I don't really feel uh, prepared to to voice my own thoughts on it. But I do want to follow the thread of what you were just talking about, Brian, which is video stores. Uh, recently, I believe it was reported that we're down to the final blockbuster video on planet Earth now. Uh, and I think a lot of people who grew up probably around the same time period that all three of us did and were um, frequent visitors to video stores in the 90s, we have probably mixed feelings when it comes to Blockbuster. Now, I'm guessing, Brian, that you worked at a... At, was it at an independent video store or, or was it a franchise? It was actually a Blockbuster video. <laughs> it was a Blockbuster... Again, I'm not knocking uh, Blockbuster no, directly, but I'm sure... <laughs> I, I, I actually find that people who work there probably have... Uh, I know some people who worked at a Blockbuster have some very negative feelings about the uh, environment, but I want to actually start with you, Liam. Liam... You probably know a lot of people who have a lot of nostalgia for uh, video stores. Uh, do you share that nostalgia? Oh, yeah. I, in fact, when I think of sort of like dream jobs, like starting a video store is totally on the list. And it was one of those things on the list that I thought was impossible. And then I have friends who did it and they're doing really well. So it's awesome. knowing that they did it makes it even more annoying that I haven't pursued it like 20 <laughs> other things I haven't pursued. So. Is that it? That is your dream job, Liam, working at an independent video store? I think running one is more of a job that I would be interested in than working at one um, because I'm tired of working for other people's dreams. So I think that's something I would like to do, but it's on the list. Like, I'd love to run a venue. I'd love to run a studio, like a, like a, like a recording studio. I'd love to have like a bookstore. You know, it's basically how could I monetize my interests? And make sure. and make my obsessions actually worth something instead of things that hamper my life. Well, Liam, have you ever heard of this book? It's called The Secret, and it involves you pre-visualizing. If you keep all talking, you... I'm going to hang up right now <laughs> and just be done. Brian, you worked at you worked at Blockbuster Video, and one of the things that I always noticed about Blockbuster is that they had a policy that when I came in through the door, that the that the uh, employees had to say hello to me. 
Was that a policy that you were told to do? It was, indeed, yes. Yeah, of course it was, right? You had to say hello to everybody. Even if you didn't really mean it, you had to say it. Uh, but what were, what was, I should ask, the most frustrating thing about working at Blockbuster? Huh, let's see. Well, I mean, the you know, thankfully, the the I had two Blockbusters I worked at. One was I had a franchise location, and so it was like slightly less corporate-y. And then the second one that I transferred to, the first one I got as a job in high school, and then when I went to college, sure. there was one on the campus I worked at. I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and we had State Street, which is the main drag with all the businesses and pubs and things, and there was a video store. Our Blockbuster was there. So it was kind of a shaggy little college sure. you know, thing. So it was we were like a little sheltered from the corporate stuff, but we still had to deal with it. Um, I think the stuff I didn't like the most was – actually more having to do with general video store stuff which is like mm. the late calls like calling people about mm. their late movies and and having to kind of leave a message with them and i just i don't know i hated bothering people every time <laughs> that was the worst going through the call right not to bring back not to bring back bad memories but let's do a little role play <laughs> pretend <laughs> pretend that you are calling liam to tell him that his copy of let's see what would be an appropriate movie the <laughs> The usual suspects on VHS is overdue. It's been a week late. Let's uh, let's start and uh, let's start right now, Brian. You're calling. Liam. Okay. Hello. Uh, hi. Is this Liam? Yeah. What up? Uh, um. Hi. I'm Brian from Blockbuster Video. Uh. You, I'm just calling about your copy of Usual Suspects. It looks like it's yeah. seven seven days late. What? No. That's it's probably no. That can't be right. Um, okay, well, according to ours... Honey, who's that on the phone? It's a, Who is that? It's, it's it's fucking Blockbuster, all right? What? Blockbuster? What do they want? Oh, uh, some bullshit about... Hang up the phone! Come back to bed! Come back to bed. When Blockbuster was open, Doug, I was, like, in high school, you know, go, <laughs> maybe college, but I don't know what scenario you're trying to figure Come out. Come back to bed, honey! <laughs> Um, if you could just return it uh, as soon as possible, because we're, we're going to have to charge you some late fees on this, unfortunately. Um, but I'll let you go. I'm sorry to interrupt your, your day. Uh, Wait, let me take the phone! <laughs> Who is this? Uh, hi, this is uh, Brian from Blockbuster. Brian! Brian, Brian what, where did you get this number? Um, this is the number that you left with us when you signed up for your Blockbuster This is card. the worst. Do you work for the government? This is the worst improv I've ever been a part of in my life. <laughs> And that's saying <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should play it real or not, so I'm trying to play it real. <laughs> you, you just you, Liam is so bad at yes ending the scene, he fucking just went off I mean here's, we're just trying no, to hold no, on to something. Deal, here's the deal. You can only yes and when the other person isn't utterly embarrassing to the core of your being. But then I gotta do a scene with Doug and he just can't you just can't live in a real world, can you? You gotta make it some ridiculous Fake Monty Python bullshit. I, I just can't, I can't believe that you thought that just because he called you that you were playing yourself, Liam O'Donnell, in the time that a blockbuster existed. You could have been anybody, Liam. I like that of all the characters that you could have played in the entire world, that you played boring-ass sourpuss Liam O'Donnell. Um, there's nothing boring about me. Second of, all, <laughs> second of all, you said calling Liam. You didn't say calling some rando. Liam, you play the rando. <laughs> yeah, it, it's your character, Liam. I mean, I thought it wasn't you because you didn't mention that you were straight edge once while you were on the phone call. I, 
I wish you know what I'm gonna make a note right now so I can renew my passport so I can come to Canada and beat you up. <laughs> uh, recently, Eric Roberts tweeted <sighs> over at Eric Roberts, flying Lufthansa and happy about <laughs> that. So Eric Roberts uh, flying international because he went to the Liverpool Comic Con, uh, which is where he is at the weekend that we're recording this episode, uh, meeting up with a lot of celebrities, a lot of famous. Faces, I have a photo that we can all take a look at here. It's a picture of Eric Roberts looking very happy, standing with Superman himself, Dean Cain, and Lois Lane, Terry Hatcher. Liam, to get off the topic of you being a sourpuss slightly, what do you think about this smiley photo? I mean, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> when, when, when you look at Dean Cain's face, Liam, do you have trouble not thinking about how he's a horrible libertarian? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't like when he showed up on Supergirl, let alone having to see him here with my man. I, I don't love that. He's he was he's on Supergirl. Do you notice that he's uh, has a necklace with a cross on it, Liam? That must make you feel more positive feelings about no, him. Stop, of your own stop fate. it! Stop it! We're that's come on. <sighs> okay, but like we don't like Dean Kane. I think that's probably something that we've gotten across and it, it, nothing personal we just don't like him as a person or an actor <laughs> i mean i thought i thought his uh i thought his brief cameo on uh maria bamford show was pretty good but that's about now, it. the supergirl show who does he play on that liam he's her dad he's her dad and it and and then uh I, I can't remember the details but somehow he's not good and i don't remember what exactly happened but something bad happened brian were you a fan of lois and clark the new adventures of superman you know, honestly, I can't say I ever saw an episode. I apologize for that. Uh, I watched it uh, back in the 1990s because Bruce Campbell appeared on that show. I can't remember if it was one or two episodes. And at the time, that was reason enough for me to watch something. I was uh, I was an interesting teenager. but uh, So I watched my fair share, I would say, of Lois and Clark. And as a big fan of the Superman character, and I know, Liam, that you are not and that you mock me mercilessly for this. Yep. Um, <laughs> I did not care for that show whatsoever, and I think Dean Cain sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but look how happy Eric Roberts is here. He does look I just legitimately said that, pleased in this picture. Yeah, he's having a good time, I think, in Liverpool. And why wouldn't you, uh, Liam? Because Liverpool is uh, where the Beatles are from. Right, Liam? Sure, that sounds right. Liam, what does a Liverpool accent sound like? <laughs> I would have no idea. What do you mean? They sound like think about think about Ringo, Liam. Ringo from the Beatles. There's Liam. I hope you cut all of this out. I hope this Eric is at the Liverpool Comic Con, Liam. Liam, I Liam all about the Comic Con. What do you think? Movie written by local high school grads starring. No, no, no. We we, we have something depressed. Liam, we have something serious. Everyone's got to be serious for a second. Uh, we we want to send our, our condolences to the family of Luke Perry, who uh, unfortunately passed away this week uh, after a stroke. Luke Perry, of course, appeared in 1996's American Strays, yep. which we covered back in episode number 35, all the way back on episode number 35, which, of course, also had Eric Roberts in it as well. Brian, any thoughts on the late actor Luke Perry? Uh, I was a big fan, actually. I, I liked him quite a bit. And uh, my wife and I were... We're very much into the uh, the Riverdale show for what it was, uh, and I will miss him on that show. Uh, they're obviously going to have to write him out, and that's too bad because he was part of a really neat ensemble in that. But but I was a big 90210 fan as a high school student, um, and uh, so I, I'm sort of an unabashed uh, admirer of Mr. Perry. And it was You're and he was Perry? so young. He was so young. Sorry. Yeah. 
it it really is a very it's very sad and again we are just having a little bit of fun but there's nothing light about what occurred there um liam any thoughts about luke perry are you a riverdale fan are you a perry head i am a huge riverdale fan and in fact prior to riverdale i wouldn't have had i wouldn't have had anything negative to say but i wouldn't have really had anything positive to say because i wasn't really a beverly hills uh 90210 person and uh i think of his film work i guess uh he was in buffy right uh, he was in the original Buffy television. Uh, sorry, movie. With, yeah, uh, that's with about, Chrissy Swanson. That's about known a MAGA head. That's all. That's about all I could say was uh, was about Buffy because I just didn't see a lot of the stuff he was in, so I I didn't really have an opinion. And then Riverdale came out, and I think he's really great, or was really great on that show, and it really made me like appreciate him and think like how great is it like later in your career to be given this role and to really like make something of it. And I really appreciated him. And so when I heard about it, it it was very sad. You know, he's so young, it's so random and really to be someone who, uh, made himself so important to this show that seems to be very, I mean, I don't know. It seems like it's very popular. So yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's not, I mean, obviously if he had passed, in any circumstances, it would be sad, but, uh, you know, he means a lot to a lot of people. So I think a lot of folks were upset and mourning him, uh, uh, you know, cause of the impact he had on their lives. Yeah. A lot, a lot of really positive stories came out after his passing where, you know, it, it really, really did seem like a legitimately decent guy. And I think an underrated actor. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. he was able to, to show that I have not watched Riverdale. I have heard, uh, good, uh, I'll be, uh, mixed things in some circles, but also some people really love it. I'm sure I'll check it out at some point. Movie written by local high school grad starring CSPD cop premieres Monday. This is a very recent article, so when we say Monday, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday. So tomorrow, Liam, will be the premiere of a movie called The Unlikely Good Samaritan, the modern retelling of the classic Bible story in Luke chapter 10. This is from uh, an article from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Writer-actor Nathan Clarkson, who hails from Monument, is debuting a film he produced right here in Colorado Springs. I believe we actually mentioned The Unlikely Good Samaritan previously because it stars Oscar-nominated Eric Roberts alongside many Colorado Springs acting talent, including Liam, a police officer. Now, this must be very controversial to you because uh, we've mentioned previously on the show that you hate the police. So when you hear about Eric Roberts working with a police officer, does it make you angry to think about it? I mean, no. I mean, he's worked with lots of people I don't like, so I don't see how this is particularly (laughs) important compared to anybody else. Oh, that's it? But that's all your thoughts on the subject? Yeah. What else am I going to say? I mean, you know, I don't know this person. Come on. This is worse than all your straight-edge fishing. This is is ridiculous. (laughs) I'm not fishing. I just want you to say something controversial (laughs) so we can get a little attention in our last five episodes. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Liam, tell me about... The military industrial complex. <laughs> uh, it's it's really bad, and uh, from mm. from what from what I hear, uh, you know, it, it, it it's something that we should feel bad about. That's about it. That's what I got to say. Pretty controversial thing to say. <laughs> I so hope no one goes out and writes an article uh, I, I hear, about what Liam just said. I hear. Uh, I hear. Uh, I hear. Uh, Captain Marvel has got some mixed things to say about the military industrial complex. But really? I haven't seen it well, yet. Yeah. I heard Brie Larson hates men. That's what I've been reading. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, right? There's just this whole, there's this like hour long scene where she just talks about how men suck. It was re- that sounds really weird. Oh, she put men on blast, Liam, and now the men are taking back the superhero movie. So I'm sorry. I hope this she, is all going to get hope cut she out. Blast them directly in their penises. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian, the unlikely good Samaritan. It sounds really interesting. A modern retelling of this classic Bible story. Are you a fan of faith-based cinema? I am absolutely not a fan of Facebook <laughs> at all. In fact, there's a couple um, – I, I take my daughter to the movies with some frequency, and there's been a run of a couple face, faith-based trailers, which I can't think of the names of the movies right now because I push them immediately out of my head, that I keep having to see, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? I don't want to watch these trailers. Can I opt out of them, please? You know, this movie that I picked doesn't seem to have anything to do with mm-hmm. anything faith-based, so why are you showing me this? And it may just be the area that I live in. I don't know, but, yeah, I, I want nothing to do with them personally. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page <laughs> is 2019's Jesse, the Golden Heart, from directors Zeely Demberslack and Peggy Roger. Uh, the plot is, when a Scottish servant girl falls in love with her master, it not only turns her world upside down, but potentially all of Stratton Castle. Very exciting sounding work. Uh, Liam, uh, Eric Roberts plays a character in this movie by the name of Master Alfred Sinclair. I guess he's the master that gets uh, fallen in love uh, with. But what's particularly notice, uh, notable, I should say, about Jesse the Golden Heart from the year 2019 is this piece of IMDb trivia that someone has taken time out of their very busy schedule to write. The only piece of trivia for this uh, movie says... How many movies has Eric Roberts been in, period? <laughs> Not even a question. <laughs> Not even a question, Mark. Someone has mistaken the IMDb trivia section for a Google search engine. <laughs> Yahoo ya- Answers, actually. <laughs> uh, I was happy to see this because uh, I'm, you know, I feel like Liam and I might be some of the people most qualified to answer this question. But unfortunately, uh, IMDb trivia doesn't really act like a question answer type thing because they got rid of the the uh, the forums that they used to have. What a shame! Obviously, someone is still missing those forums and using it uh, using the IMDb trivia for that purpose. Liam Jesse the Golden Heart. It sounds a little uh, off model for an Eric Roberts movie with that plot. What do you think? I mean, I'm not a big fan of these sorts of movies, but, uh, you know, we'll watch it. It's fine. It sounds like a classic romance, Liam. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> a servant girl falling in love with her master. Sounds like a, 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 a really unfair power dynamic, Liam. Yeah, do you think this is maybe a bodice ripper? Isn't that a term? A bodice ripper? <laughs> bodice ripper? Bodice? Uh, bodice uh, p- ripper? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. No, I know what you're saying. I'm just repeating it back to you. Brian, what do you think? Jesse, the Golden Heart. Bodice Ripper? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. could very well be. Uh, you know, it doesn't give us much to go on in terms of the servant girl falls in love with her master. It doesn't say, you know, passionate, lusty. We don't have any uh, adjectives, but we could certainly, you know, read in that maybe since it's Eric Roberts and he's quite irresistible, um, there might be some passion and lust there. So it could be a Bodice oh. Ripper. Could be a bodice. That's a, an excellent point, but I feel like we're all bearing the lead here, which is that is Eric Roberts going to do a Scottish accent in 2019's <laughs> Jesse, the Golden Heart? I mean, he's playing Master Alfred Sinclair. It's a, a Scottish servant girl, Stratton Castle. It sounds like a very good opportunity for Eric to stretch mm. his wings a little, do a Scottish accent. Liam, Liam, would you would you like to see that? Yeah, I'm in. I'm 100 percent in. That would be great. <laughs> Liam, what might that sound like? <laughs> you want me to do a Scottish accent? Okay, I'll tell you what. Pretend you are from a Scottish blockbuster. You're calling Brian to tell him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I laddie. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> 
That's all I got. Who is this? <laughs> I actually, I, just thinking about what, like, because, of course, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of examples that I can copy in order to do this accent, and my sure. brain is just blank. Like, I just, I can't think of anything, so I just said. Do what everyone else does, Liam. Just think of Scrooge McDuck <laughs> and imitate him to the best Stop of your ability. <laughs> well, after all that fun and frivolity, I think it's time actually to take our first break. When we return, we need to talk about a new action classic. It's 1997's TNT. Is it dynamite? We'll find out right after this. <laughs> Trailers for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets I ain't got no cigarettes all oh, but two hours of pushing broom Buys an eight by twelve four-bit room I'm a man of means by no means King of the road. The Tactical Neutralization Team, or TNT, is a squad of elite soldiers sent on top-secret near-suicidal missions around the world. After one of their missions ends in failure, team member Alex decides he's had enough of the special op life and calls it quits. His commanding officer, however, doesn't want the security risk of a former member walking around, so he assigns another member of the team to hunt down Alex and retire him permanently it's 1997's tnt that plot summary is not entirely accurate but close enough to what the plot of the movie is it's pretty simple this movie is directed by robert radler you might recognize that name he was actually the director of the uh eric roberts classics best of the best and best of the best two as well as many many episodes of money more from power rangers uh and this movie was written by uh, Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon, the uh, writers of the God's Not Dead duology. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be a trilogy soon. Yes, the God's Not Dead uh, faith-based movies, as well as a, a gentleman named Daryl Seedler, who uh, has really done nothing else. This movie stars Olivier Gruner, who we've uh, featured on Eric Roberts of the Fucking Man in the past, as well as country legend Randy Travis in a supporting role. And uh, Sam Jones, uh, Flash Gordon, actually, is in this movie briefly as well. And if you are a fan of the um, of the Best of the Best series, I believe both Simon and Philip Ree are in this movie. At the very uh, at the at the very least, Simon Ree is uh, is one of the TNT members in the movie. And of course, Eric Roberts is here as well. But we'll talk about him in just a moment. First, I want to get everyone's thoughts on the movie. Brian, you picked this for us to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. What did you think of 1997's TNT? Um, okay, let's see here. I got <laughs> I got some notes I'll read real quick. Um, this first one is meant to be read sarcastically. Uh, <laughs> amazing Foley work, question mark. Running <laughs> through swamps seems like a child splashing in a rain puddle or bathtub. That was my first note. Um, uh, and I did say, good scene with some townies in a bar giving Olivier and his girl a hard time. Uh, one of them played by Kane Hodder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the scenes. I like scenes like this because we, the audience, know the rude morons are in trouble. And it's always fun to see them get surprised by their inevitable comeuppance from like a martial arts superstar like uh, Olivier Grenier. Um, so that kind of scene, I think, is funny. And it was uh, fun to watch. 
I think the other thing for me is that Randy Travis like steals the show mm-hmm. for what that's worth. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like he blows you you away, but he's good in his scenes. You know, they're very subdued scenes for the most part, but he is good in those scenes. I mean, I agree with that 100%. Randy Travis absolutely walks away with this movie. I was shocked to discover not only... Well, I mean, I've seen him act in other films before, like the classic Black Dog. With the I was just going to say, he's good in that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I'm just going to bring it up right now. His uh, gunplay skills are really impressive. There's a part where they're shooting cans, uh, at, at him and um, Olivier, and they're out, and he's like... like spinning the gun around in his finger and doing quick draw. And I have to say, Randy Travis is kind of a badass. <laughs> uh, who would have, who would have thunk it? Uh, Liam, your thoughts on TNT. It's bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the thing. It's, it's a very flimsy action film with a very predictable plot that could be totally forgiven. If the explosions of violence were interesting in any way, shape or form. Um, in fact, I could imagine a version of this movie that was actually a lot of fun if, like, let's say, jungle battle scenes or fights on the highway before a character is literally hit by a truck or <laughs> all manner of things that on paper sound pretty cool were actually cool. And weirdly, the very scene you were describing, Brian, that the lead up to that, like, I, I also was like, oh, man, he's going to beat up these townies. This is really cool. And <laughs> that that scene had actually some of the most choreographed uh, fighting in it and yet sure. was filmed in such a way that it was really difficult to figure out what was happening. And yeah. I just couldn't understand. It, it, so there were two things going on. One was uh, a real failure, I think of direction in which Mm -hmm. the action and the fighting in the movie were not presented well. (laughs) Uh, And that's a real bummer when it comes to the fighting, because I get like when you're making a movie with this low a budget, not every like gunfight or explosion is going to be like badass because you just can't afford it. But actually any people with no money can film themselves fighting and it can look cool. You, you don't need a huge budget to watch two guys pretend to punch each other and have it look all right. And in this one, we've got, you know, veterans of pretending to punch each other and it never looks good. The whole film. And I couldn't figure that out why none of that worked very well. Um, And so then it made the rest of the movie, which is just not that bad. It's just light. It's just it's just all set up, except for, as you guys already pointed out, Randy Travis, who randomly thinks he's in some sort of like touching country movie that he's not in (laughs) and he just is playing this character that doesn't belong in this movie from what i could tell at all um uh, except for him everything else in the movie is just kind of awkward and all that awkwardness would be fine if there these other things they were leading up to were exciting and they don't need to be amazing like i'm down with some 90s direct-to-video action you know like sure that's totally fine and this never quite gets there let alone something higher and i don't think it's because the people in the movie are all bad because they don't i don't need them to give me amazing acting i just need to see them do what it is they're good at which is like spin kicks and i'm just not getting that or <laughs> or much of anything else and so that that i think made me sour on the movie <laughs> didn't mean to do that but i like that i did uh, uh it, it made me more negative on the movie than i think the movie deserves it's not terrible but it made me mad because what i all i need from it is one or two moments that i'm like oh sick badass but i think 
Doug, as you pointed out, one of the most badass parts of the movie is this country-ass sheriff shooting stuff when he's having a conversation. That was more <laughs> badass than the scene where they're in the jungle fighting. Like, what is going on? I think the concept behind the movie has a lot of potential to hang a, a really good action movie on. I mean, you think about, say, the the, the group at the beginning of Pre- yeah. Predator, right? Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and his buddies. And during their mission, instead of running into an alien who can be invisible, that, that they have some sort of – that, say, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character has some sort of crisis of conscience. After the mission, he decides he's getting out of the game. And then the rest of the group have to, to basically – find him, hunt him down, and kill him because they're still kind of trained mercenaries. I think that's a really cool idea. And I honestly think that's probably what they were trying to go for to some extent here. But in practice, that also means that, you know, hulking Frenchman Olivier Gruner is in this, you know, small town with this country sheriff in it. And we have to see, hey, he's a member of the the community now. He likes to put people through heavy workouts and then have large-breasted women proposition him after the workouts, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, and, and like, he's there's all this footage of just him, you know, bonding with people, and he has a girlfriend, and she's Sue Storm from the unreleased Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> and it's, it's all, that's what's going on here. And that's not fun, because what you really want to see is what I think is the best part of the movie, which is, say, the final 20 minutes or so when it goes all deadly prey on us, and it's just, she gets kidnapped... He has to go back to his uh, like almost like a feral uh, uh, hunting skills to to take them down one by one in the woods around where he lives. And I think a lot of that material is kind of fun to watch. I do have to say my favorite part of this movie by a country mile, aside from Randy Travis, is there's one sequence where he realizes he's got to get back in the game. And it's filmed just like a horror movie, like it's lightning and all that. He goes out and he digs up. All of his old weapons. It's just like that scene in John Wick. And he like, you know, he pulls it up. It's almost like in a coffin. And he's there and it's just like, I've got to go, you know, I've got to return to my roots, so to speak. And that is so kind of interestingly filmed that it makes the rest of the movie, which is just, it's very bland. It's a very blandly shot movie uh, when it's even uh, intelligible what the hell is going on, (laughs) which in the dark scenes at the beginning are not so much. That it's a, it's a very frustrating experience to watch this for for the most part. But I do like that, that, that kind of final 20 minutes outside of the very end. And, uh, and when I say the final (laughs) 20 minutes, I'm not including the 10 minutes of credits that, that makes this movie stumble and, and just barely get to the 90 minute mark. I want to talk a little bit, a bit about Olivier, our action star here. Now, he, we've talked about him in the past, and Eric Roberts is the fucking man. He's the star, of course, of the Nemesis films, uh, which I'm sure some listeners might have some familiarity with. Uh, he was kind of, and still is to some extent, a staple of 90s direct-to-video action movies. He's He certainly looks the part. He obviously is very skilled at martial arts. Uh, I'm going back to you for a second, Brian. What do you think of him as an actor and as an action movie presence? I think he is a little bland, as a as an actor, uh, and the, the you know you were talking about the movie not being particularly uh, excitingly shot. I would go one further and say it's also not particularly well edited. So mm-hmm. I feel like even in the scenes where you get a decent action moment, I want to say I felt like there were like handles on those shots that were like just a half second either before you should have them or, or something was not right. It just felt clunky in terms of the way the shots were cut together. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Best of the Best one or two in a long time, but I don't remember having that issue with those movies. Um, so I don't know what happened to this director in terms of 
his collaboration with his editor, but it doesn't do uh, Olivier any favors that even when he's given moments of action that it's a little sluggish. Um, but yeah, he's like, I'm thinking of like the least, uh, you know, enthused Jean-Claude Van Damme performance line reading. And this is like a notch below that, you know, in terms of, you know, his energy level and his uh, ability to deliver dialogue. So uh, to have him in like a small town setting in these dialogue heavy scenes just seems like a mismatch, you know, and and like I said, that bar scene is by far the most fun again, especially because Kane Hodder being one of the townies is in, is sort of entertaining to me. Um, but yeah, even that scene very clunky in terms of the way it's put together and the last, you know, um, comeuppance of uh, one of the villains uh the truck thing that even that is you know poorly edited so it does take some of the uh wind out of the sails of the action that is there so yeah he's okay um but i wish they just had him shut the fuck up and do a little more action unfortunately i mean they want him to be so likable and i think that's a problem because it's hard to how could he be walking through the town? I mean, he's this hulking guy, right? And and he's also uh, has that accent. And I mean, I'm sure he would draw a lot of attention in a small town anyway. But of course, nobody knows his background. They just know that he doesn't like to talk about it. I can see how it's it's difficult to believe that he is just he has settled down to this small town life. Uh, though he does like talking and getting kissed by his big slobbery dog, Liam. <laughs> tell yeah. me. Tell me about Olivier as an actor. I want to talk about the ending of the movie in just a second, but tell me, do you think, do you think we've undervalued Olivier as a uh, action hero? Uh, so my man has been in forty-seven films, uh-huh. and he is, uh, as far as I can tell, one of the only um, recognizable action stars I can think of who has not been in a single good movie. Not one of these <laughs> films is good. And like, I mean, people who are real bottom of the barrel action stars have been in at least one good thing, like one thing where I'm like, yeah, that movie's fun. And all of these movies are bad. Like even the ones I haven't seen, those are definitely bad. Like these are bad. <laughs> he sucks. And my frustration with this film is is partly because of him, because uh, like you said, he they're having him do that. There's a lot of him just trying to be charming. My man doesn't know charming from a hole in the ground. Like he <laughs> cannot pull it off. And so let's just, let's, let's skip some of the, you know, him relating to other humans and let's go to him beating up other humans. And it just doesn't, it's not there enough from, there's just not enough of him doing anything interesting for me. And there's too much of him trying to be charming. And I also don't like, the movie really is trying to have it both ways. Let's go back to one of the few scenes that I thought could be pretty good uh, that Brian brought up, which was the you know the town. Kane Hodder and his buddies are drunk, and they're <laughs> apparently sexual harassers or whatever. We don't need both, hey, I'm too good for this. I'm not going to beat these people up. And then, wait, no, never mind. I actually am going to beat them up and possibly <laughs> destroy some property in this bar. It's it, it's. I think that sort of for me typifies the movie which is like it doesn't know what it's about and it doesn't it wants to be about more than just badass action it wants to have some sort of point and that's ridiculous why does it want that it shouldn't want that it's it's ridiculous <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and and i think that this is not this is also not the person who should be carrying this movie there you could find someone who could bring a little bit more charisma to this role uh <laughs> 
So I, I don't know. I, I don't like him. And I've, I, like I said, 47 films. I, you think there'd be at least one in the list. I'd be like, oh, that was fun. No. Well, Liam, while you were talking, I was doing a little research to find out if maybe one of these movies is a little better than you might say. I feel like it's a little unfair to tank a man's entire career, especially here on a show like Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Sure. Maybe we just have seen some bad examples. And I found a movie from 1999 called The White Pony. Uh, and this is not an action movie. It's about a young girl visiting her uncle's ranch in Ireland. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Stop. So, wait. She wants to ride her cold cousin Shannon's horse, but it results in uh, Silky's being injured. I don't know who Silky is. And her order not to ride again. When she meets Lucky, a leprechaun who only communicates with her, she learns that the beautiful white beast she's glimpsed from afar is, in fact, legendary unicorn Euaphis who needs help her retrieving her horn to return to her own world. This uh, this features Warwick Davis as a leprechaun, Liam, Aww. but not not the evil leprechaun. This is a good leprechaun. I was hoping if, Olivier was the leprechaun. <laughs> if, that, if that movie is not total trash, I will PayPal you $100. Well, I guess we'll have to watch it because I, I need that 100 pretty badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the end of the movie. Uh, so uh, let me uh, paint a picture for you. We have our hometown Olivier Gruner, and he uh, his girlfriend is um, is kidnapped by his old uh, hunting buddies, his old uh, TNT group. They've come to hunt him down. They've kidnapped her to kind of uh, get him out of hiding. He takes them out one by one until their leader, their evil leader, is the only one left. They <laughs> they drive off uh, uh, Olivier and his girlfriend with this guy. On the top, on the roof of their vehicle, shooting down into the cabin of it, uh, trying to kill them. They eventually get into the middle of the uh, this kind of highway. They not highway, I should say. It's really just a, a street. Um, and they stop. He rolls off the front. They have a big fight, and then we see a transport truck on its way towards the location. And Liam, what happens from there? Well, the truck is coming, and it, he's fighting this guy, and he kicks him up at the last second, so he gets hit by the truck, but uh, our man Olivier, uh, the truck goes over perfectly, so he doesn't uh, receive any I- injuries, and then the truck driver obviously is a little bummed out that he just killed a man. His, his, his He is a little bummed out, though it doesn't seem that surprised. I think his reaction is, Oh man! <laughs> yeah, no. Again, like I said, he's literally a little bummed out. <laughs> um, this uh, this person getting run over sequence is uh, edited in a very choppy manner, yep. but yep. we do briefly get to see a dummy getting run over, which is all I really ask for out of sequences <laughs> like this. Brian, did you think this was an effective ending to TNT? Um, effective enough. How about that? Um, <laughs> it was no. I mean, I, I was that was the kind of stuff I wanted more of throughout the movie. So it was a little bit of a too little, too late. But I was kind of like, yep, sure, no, that's good. At least we get that. And I think I, I was impressed because the movie had lulled me into a uh, near hypnotic state of like stasis, and then it woke me up a little bit. I was like, whoa, that's okay. That was good. That was fun. For you know, for that moment. So yeah, it was it was a nice little capper for me. I can't believe he didn't say anything. Like didn't have a cool, <laughs> st- right? <laughs> you know what I mean? He, Good point, Liam. You know what I'm talking about? He didn't say like a cool hero thing after the guy got hit by there a truck. Sh- there should have been some line there that would have made it more. Also, I just feel like the vibe of their fight was like, you know, 
okay, so I'm projecting a little bit, but a lot of times in these movies, these final fights are about like who's actually better, you know? Sure. And him kicking the dude into a truck, <laughs> ju- it it did it felt underhanded. Like it it didn't feel you know what I mean? Like I feel like that would have been a good way to end if his opponent had taken some sort of like super drug and now he was like an unstoppable force, you know, or he had like a bat. You know what I mean? Like if there was some way that this fight was now unfair, but instead our supposedly very moral hero is like, I'm just going to kick this guy to this truck and then I'm, I'm fucking done. That's great. It just, they felt- do clearly make, they do clearly show that he is aware that that transport truck is on its way. So it's not like he could, you can make the case that it's oh, just no. a coincidence. This was he knows it's coming. It's strategy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. It, well, it's fine. I'm not again. I'm not like morally offended by it. It just seems out of touch with the rest of the movie, which is trying to show that he's such a good guy. It's like, yeah, he's such a good guy. Kick that guy into a truck, like. But also, just... sorry, I was gonna say, Liam, you also made the point that they set him up earlier in the bar scene, where it's like, no, I'm too good to fight these guys. No, I'm not. So his moral, you know, yeah, that's true. No, you're right. Does seem already in question. <laughs> I mean, again, he was real stoked on being a professional killer until he was like. Wait a minute, who are we even killing these people for? Yeah, a little inconsistency in character. I mean, I think we are supposed to think that when he has his nighttime um, uh, pulling up all of his old guns and stuff, we're supposed to think he's gone back to that old mindset again where killing is just totally okay. And I mean, he does blow up some of those old teammates, no problem yeah, at all. sure. We, I, I just want to mention briefly before we move on to Eric Roberts, one of his old TNT teammates is a friend of his. And they are set up as being like buddies. Um, and in fact, when the when the TNT team are hired to then track him down, you know the the leader has a talk with his old buddy. It's like this isn't going to be a problem, is it? And then we find out later that he's kind of trying to give hints or trying to help him in some way because his one defining thing is that he likes to eat red licorice. <laughs> and I mean, like that's his whole character is that he likes red licorice and it's in his mouth sometimes. I have to say that is another editing problem in this movie. It's in his mouth and then they'll cut back to him and it's just gone. Uh, maybe he just likes it. He's just sucking it down. He loves that red licorice. Um, what? Why? Why is this in the movie, <laughs> Brian? <laughs> it, it felt like it's going to lead somewhere, but then the guy just ends up dead in a car and there's, there's like no, there's nothing to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why that's in there. <laughs> no, you're supposed to know. <laughs> I just. I wish I had an understanding. I think the red licorice. The red licorice thing was maybe to add some, <clears throat> some sense of character, uh, on some level. But um, yeah, I just. I was befuddled by the whole business. Personally. I mean, that's what I, I was I, thinking about, Doug, when you were talking about the predator. Is like what is so good about the predator is that you get a sense that all those people on the team are like individual characters. Absolutely. And his team, I kept mistaking his friend for the guy who wants to kill Me him. Me too. They look 100%. like the same guy. In fact, the only member of the team who stands out is the one black guy. Like he's the one where I'm like, okay, there's that guy. Then there's just a mass of white dudes who all look the same and who never do anything to let you know they're different other than his friend who I keep confusing for the guy who wants to murder him. So it, th- there's just no distinctiveness to any of these people. I'm going to cut this out if I if I just missed it. But there's a part where his old TNT buddy drops a piece of red licorice. And it's a, obviously supposed to be some sort of signal to Alex, Olivier's character, that they are there out in there. Do we see him find that licorice? <laughs> no, he I doesn't don't... know they're there until he finds him dead. Yeah. Until he right, until he finds the dead, he's him dead. Which was so the why, final piece of red licorice was his dead body. That was his final <laughs> warning. 
But it doesn't. Okay, I don't. It, Maybe there's a little bit that doesn't make sense about this plot now that I think about it. But thankfully, we don't have to talk about how sensible the plot is or how bad the ending is or how the action is incomprehensible and this is just a bad movie. All we have to talk about is Eric Roberts. Now, listeners, you might be curious, hey, all these people they're talking about, how does Eric Roberts fit into this? Well, Eric Roberts, (laughs) star of Best of the Best from the same director, is in this movie for about four minutes. He is the guy who has hired, apparently has been hiring this TNT team the whole time. Um, Olivier is under the impression that he's working for the government doing these kind of black ops missions. But I guess he's really kind of like a private contractor, doesn't realize it, never looks into the subject in any detail. It's really Eric Roberts. He's the one pulling all the strings, and he's the one that hires the TNT team to uh, kill Alex uh, when when he's settled down with his new uh, girlfriend. Um, He... Has a beard and glasses in this, a, a rare glasses-beard combo for Eric Roberts <laughs> in the movie. Uh, but there isn't a whole lot more I can say about him. Sticking with Brian, Brian, what did you think of the Eric Roberts performance here? Um, I thought he was quite serviceable. I thought he did a decent job in the – I didn't realize it was four minutes of screen time. He felt like – to his credit, he felt like he was in the movie for a good 10 to 15 minutes um, instead of four. It He – He's just um, cool and evil enough and handles himself really well on a cordless phone, which is another thing this movie has a lot of is cordless phones, by the way, <laughs> um, which I thought was amusing. But yeah, no, he's good. You know, I uh, obviously wanted more Eric Roberts. And when you sign up to watch one of his movies now, it's hard to know how much of him you're going to get. But I was perfectly happy with the the quality of Eric Roberts that I got in the short amount of Eric Roberts that was in the movie, unfortunately. I, I don't want to make it seem like he doesn't make an impression in this movie because he is a lot of fun because he gets to play kind of a duplicitous role because he meets with Olivier after their first mission. And he's basically, you know, talking about how great he is and how everyone loves him and the person, the the um, the uh, POW equivalent, I guess, the person who was captured at this camp that they infiltrated at the beginning was actually, you know, related to one of the people hiring him. And so it, so it all, you know... it. He's really nice in that scene, and then of course, as soon as he leaves, he's like, "We got to do something. Keep your eye on that guy, right?" So he's 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 um, pretending to be a nicer guy than he actually is. He's all actually a piece of garbage. So I love that. I like the Eric Roberts playing that. I wish it would cut back to him a few more times throughout the movie, but it really is. I mean, like, there's that sequence near the beginning. Then it cuts to him maybe like two or three times on the phone throughout the movie. And then we see him get taken away by the police in the the kind of uh, coda at the very end. Liam, your thoughts on Eric Roberts in this movie? I I have to say I I did like what he was doing, especially because I was thinking about what the scene you just described. That when he first shows up, he's very uh placating nice you know oh you know talk whatever and then as soon as uh olivier leaves he's like i wouldn't take my eyes off of him blah blah blah. (laughs) that sudden shift of him being like actually i'm kind of scummy i love i actually as soon as that happened i remember thinking okay all right yeah give me give me that eric roberts give me behind the scenes you know scary dude who like could murder anyone for the bottom line and especially there's another scene where he very condescendingly talks to this drug lord and he's like where's our delivery and the guy's like <laughs> i don't fear anyone not even god and he hangs up and eric <laughs> roberts is like like very condescending about how he's gonna get got and uh 
And I love that. That that was like, yeah, well, that's what I want. What was the Harbor. point of that co- that call though? I mean, the guy had his, he's already got got in that the soldiers are there ready to kill him and his family, and there's no stopping it. What was that phone call supposed to be outside of? Ha! All right, well, enjoy the rest it, of your day. Until that moment, we had not yet had confirmation about what the movie was hinting that Eric oh, Roberts I was did. a bad dude. Because if he was working for the government, my man could still be doing a lot of bad things. Let's not forget sure. that. That his original role was no less evil than what it turned out he was actually doing. But what that scene confirms for us is that Eric Roberts is not being honest. And so like this whole thing where it's like you're getting these criminals and they're so bad. It's really a business partner that you don't trust anymore. And I think that was an important establishing thing. Does it make sense logically no come on what 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 made sense logically in this whole freaking film come on but uh but uh it is it, it is i think that's what it's there for but i th- you are right though doug is that while i do think eric roberts does a lot of fun little things in this movie it's very little things and it would have been it would have been better to have less of uh Gruner talking to people and yapping his <laughs> French face and more of Eric Roberts being nasty. That would have given us a lot more. That would be more entertaining than some of the fights in the movie. It is interesting also that Eric Roberts, uh, again, known for Best of the Best and working with this director, he doesn't get to do any action at all. Like He's not even close to where any of the action takes place. He's not a part of the TNT group. The, the suggestion is that he's kind of like he intentionally – isn't near any of the dirty stuff, right? He's just kind of this, uh, you know, guy with glasses and a beard who who pulls the strings. So uh, I think if you're in this for this best of the best reunion, you're likely to be very disappointed. However, just because we don't get a lot of Eric Roberts doesn't mean that he's not the fucking man. So I need to ask you, Liam O'Donnell, co-host of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 1997's TNT? Yeah. I, I got to say yes. And in fact, I would say this was one of the performances where he's the only thing in the movie worthwhile if it wasn't for Randy Travis. It's really – this movie is Eric Roberts and Randy Travis and then a bunch of people who could literally just have a blank face because they don't matter. Like it's just <laughs> him, just him and Randy Travis and no one else in the film has any weight whatsoever. <laughs> well, that's one. Brian, you are our guest today. Tell me, is Eric Roberts – the fucking man in 1997's TNT. I would say yes. I have to agree with Liam on this. Uh, one other note that I had was a line that he has, and I can't remember where it occurs or after what phone call, maybe the one you were talking about, but he says, quote, they always think they're invincible and then they die. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> drug lord guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I'm like, that was good. And Eric Roberts delivered it well. And I was like, that's a great Eric Roberts moment. So um, that was the top of my notes was that line. So, yeah, in the small amount of time he's in the movie, he is very effective and and very believable and is absolutely the fucking man. That is the kind of line that only certain actors can deliver. Right? <laughs> I can imagine someone else. <laughs> they all think they're invincible. Then they die. Shut up the fuck up, dude. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> Who are you even talking to? I'm going to agree. With the two of you. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1997's TNT. Boy, this movie would have been a lot better if it had a lot more Eric Roberts in it. And we can say that about a lot of movies. But this one in particular, I think, would have really benefited it. Hey, I'll tell you what. I've been doing this a lot lately on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But in my mind, if Eric Roberts played the guy who, you know, had a moral crisis while going on these missions and then moved to a small town and had to rebuild his life. and I mean, I think there's something a lot more fun and relatable about a person who doesn't look like a hulking bodybuilder 
<laughs> coming into your small town with a French accent. Um, but maybe, hey, that's just me. But even if we had Eric Roberts as the leader of the baddies, at least he would be a lot more visible for the movie. And you wouldn't necessarily confuse him for any number of other supporting players because they all look the same. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1997's TNT, a middling action picture. Uh, if you watched a lot of straight-to-video action from the mid-90s, this it, it kind of... It's so similar to how a lot of those are structured that there's really nothing that distinguishes it. And the fact that this is from someone, a director that has had uh, some really notable action pictures in the past and ones that are a lot of fun, it's actually a a little sad that uh, Robert Radler's career came to the point that just a few years later he made something sort of so generic. But if you like Randy Travis, if you like to see Eric Roberts for four or five minutes, check out TNT. But with that said, I think it's time for us to take our final break. When we return, we're going to do a little plugging and say goodnight. That was episode number 95 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to a delightful guest, a person that we've wanted to have on for a very long time, someone that I'm a huge fan of, uh, his his podcasting work, his written work, the the goodness he puts out into the world. <laughs> I want to thank you, Brian Sauer, for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find your work in the world? Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Um, I am on Twitter at Bob Freelander. Um, you can find me talking about movies and movies that I'm watching probably too much right there. And then, uh, my two podcasts are pure cinema. That is pure cinema pod on Twitter and just the disc, which is my Blu-ray podcast. Um, just the disc pod on Twitter. Uh, definitely check out those shows. If you don't listen, you may enjoy them. If you like movies, um, and Blu-rays, my Blu-ray show is a little, little, um, niche, but, um, we talk all about, Blu-rays from recent releases to, you know, lots of catalog titles from Scream Factory, Shout Factory, you know, all the boutique labels, what have you. Um, but yeah, that's that's my general presence. Oh, RupertPupkinSpeaks.com is my blog. That's all the plugs I got. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's some quality plugging, if you ask me. And yeah, and for those who, who might uh, feel like they have enough podcasts on their docket, delete some of them. <laughs> Get on to Brian's ones instead. Uh, it, look, it's time to unsubscribe from what the fuck anyway. I mean, Mark Marin has done well enough for himself. Uh, it's time to subscribe to Brian's podcast and check out uh, his work on Twitter as well. Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. Cinepunk's mastermind. 
Sure. You have a you have a upcoming screening that you want to talk about. I do. Oh my god. If you are anywhere near the Philadelphia area on March eighteenth, you need need to go to the rotunda because we will be screening uh Starfish, a film coming out from Yellow Vale Pictures and the Orchard. Uh director Al White will be there for a Q&A afterwards, hosted by my co-host on horror business, uh, Justin Lore. And it's going to be great. It's 10 bucks. It's cheap. It's a DIY venue, so don't be surprised when you show up and it's not like a regular movie theater. But don't worry. If you're not used to that sort of thing, you can be <laughs> you can be punk for a night, uh, you soft person. Uh, and uh, come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm hoping to have also some like uh, Cinepunk shirts and Rough Cut uh, shirts there, so... Uh, hopefully, if you if you want to pick up some merchy merch, you can do that too. Uh, and Al might have some stuff too. I don't know if he's traveling with stuff. I know when I saw the film at uh, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, they gave out free T-shirts for the sh- for the movie, and that was pretty cool. So, so but I, I like so the movie a lot. It's really really good. <laughs> Check out the trailer; you'll be into it. You're not promising free T-shirts, but you're just saying it's a possibility. Yeah, I'm not here to promise anyone anything. Come out to the movie. <laughs> I can promise you that for ten dollars, you're going to see a movie, and a, the guy who made it is going to talk about it afterwards. That's it. Now, Cinepunks.com, one of the things it loves to focus on is the convergence of music and movies. Sure. Is this movie Starfish at all related to the album? Stop. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say. Starfish <laughs> and the hot dog flavored water by beloved uh, new metal band Limp Bizkit. I hate you. And <laughs> it there, is then? Well, what's funny is there is a music connection to the movie. It's it's In fact, the website for the film, if you want to go check it out, is starfishmixtape.com because it uh-huh. involves a variety of mixtapes as part of the plot. Uh, but no, it has nothing to do with Limp Bizkit, and I'm going to punch you hard. <laughs> you know, speaking of movies and Limp Bizkit, uh, Fred Durst, <laughs> the lead singer of Limp Bizkit, he is a notable director uh, uh, he's directed a number of films, and he has a new movie coming out called Moose. Liam, this will interest you. Now, Stop. Moose. Stop. <laughs> Moose is about a rabid film fan stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. And the fan, the the loser film fan in this movie, is played by John Travolta. Liam. The only uh, Fred Durst-related film I'm interested in is the footage of the guy from ICP trying to drop kick him in the back of the head and missing, <laughs> which, by the way, should have won an Oscar. That was gold. <laughs> uh, Liam, what else is going on at Cinepunks? Uh, you know, we have uh, some new episodes coming out. Me and Josh just had a uh, tense but good discussion about Gaspar No. That's going to be going up soon. <laughs> We're recording a new Harvest is soon. And, of course, we just added a new show uh, – the Tomb of Ideas, which is a Marvel horror comics podcast. Um, and, you know, we always have writing going up. Nick Spacek, who some people might know as uh, Nuthouse Punks on Twitter, he's always writing. My man is always putting out stuff, making me feel like a slacker loser because I don't write anything. So, uh, and, and in theory, you're going to be publishing your new Darkman piece at some point. If you ever get it done, you slacker. <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of podcast work to do, and I'm waiting for this Liam Neeson story to fade from memory before I continue. Oh um, yeah, good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Uh, but about yes, that. I I do some writing over at Cinebugs.com as well, and I am part of the Flight Stuff podcast, a podcast about the Canadian superhero team Alpha Flight, which you can also find on Twitter at Flight Stuff Pod, all one word. Uh, Liam, I have some other podcasts I need to quickly plug. One is. <laughs> Are you telling me to shut? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Actually, the only one I really should plug is uh, No Budget Nightmares, a podcast about ultra low budget, micro budget, and shot on video cinema, which you can find over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Recently, uh, Mo Porner and I, the other host of that show, we did a super special commentary uh, for a movie that I can't yet reveal, but we're very excited about. Check out that on Twitter as well at No Budget Podcast. As well, uh, very soon, and you can order it right now, there is the ultimate Blu-ray edition of the movie Robot Ninja from director J.R. Bookwalter. Uh, Mo and I have a commentary on that release as well. Nice. On the original VHS version of the movie, J.R. was nice enough to allow us to record a brand new commentary. Yeah, we also have an audio track on his uh, ultimate release of The Dead Next Door, but that's just an old episode. This one's a brand new commentary. Check it out. Uh, do a search for... Uh, Robot Ninja Ultimate Edition and order right now. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. While you're at it, why not follow Liam at Liam Rules R U L Z? If you want to find out more about Eric Roberts, is the fucking man. Go over to EricRobertsIsTheMan.com on Twitter at E R I T F M or do a search on Facebook for Eric Roberts is the man. But I think that's just about it, folks. It's all. It's time for the three of us to enjoy our Sunday afternoon or what's left of it. We'll be back very soon with another. Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Night. Bye. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 